You're listening to Hawks Insiders, the home of all things brown and gold on the internet. Subscribe to our Substack for more Hawks coverage. Hi everyone, Ashley Brown here. Welcome to Hawks Insiders, your Wednesday night safe space for the next few weeks. Uh, with Thursday night footy on, we move to Wednesdays for the next little while and we look ahead to, well, round one. And my question to Andrew Weiss, my co-host for the evening. Andrew, welcome. Good evening, Ash. Good evening, everyone. Is this the last one of the pre-season or is this the first one of the season? What do you feel? It's footy season started or does it officially start tomorrow night? So therefore, this is still the pre-season. No, I think this is the penult. This is the final, final one before the season starts. I know that we'll uh, talk through Brad and his team and do somewhat of a preview, but we've still got the preview uh, articles coming out over the next few days. So I'm calling this the end of the preseason. Um, but it's exciting. It's exciting leading into Sunday and the hopes of a season ahead. Darren Levine, welcome back after a bit of a busy man last couple of weeks. Good to have you here. Tell us how you really feel, Dad. Having some connection issues. All right, we'll, hold, we'll wait. Guys, sorry, I'm having some internet problems here. Can you hear me? Pedal faster. Yeah, pedal faster. How are you? Welcome back. Oh, dear. I reckon we've lost Ash as well. How I'm here, we see. I can hey. hold the fort with you. I'm, I'm here. How- how we're looking. Uh, I'm glad I prefaced uh, this all by saying this was the end of the preseason. It means we can start fresh next week. How are you, Brad? Fine, thanks, Wacey. All good. Excited. It's finally here. I had a quick chat to uh, Ash in the officer today about the game on Sunday. I'm sure we're going to touch on it, but we're both very confident, which might surprise many here, but I'm, you know, I can't see why we can't win and win well. Well, we might, while we're trying to get the guys back, we might start with that, Brad. Tell me tell me more about that, because I would say for me, this is probably the first season in years I can remember that I'm, I'm the opposite. I'm going into the game actually expecting a loss. Um, tell me, t- tell us all why you think... Uh, well, why you're filled with optimism? I think the Bombers, obviously, you know, they got a new coach in uh, Brad Scott. I think their pre-season's been incredibly poor. Jake Stringer's obviously uh, not playing. Uh, we already know their back line is not that strong. Their midfield's got decent names on paper, but I think it's very one-paced. And, you know, Zach Merritt, Dylan Shiel, Darcy Parrish, Will Setterfield obviously comes in from Carlton who's going to be a decent pickup for them. And they've got Peter Wright down forward. But other than that, I think if we can hold Peter Wright to less than four goals, which I think is possible. I know he kicked six against us last time. But I think we're a really good shot. I reckon, I know the Bombers are, I think, a couple of goal favourites. But I honestly think it's a 50-50 game. It's at the MCG. If it was at uh, uh, Marvel, I don't think we would win. But I think the MCG will really suit us. And I think we've had a pretty good preseason. I know the game against Geelong wasn't great, but the performance against Collingwood was really, really good, especially after the poor start we had. 
Cam McKenzie is going to debut. Carl Amon, Lloyd Meek will play. Uh, a lot of players who didn't play last year, who were not fit, will be playing CJ, Day, uh, Impey. Um, so I think it's really positive. Um, the one key for us is obviously going to be uh, Cozzy. Uh, you know, he's the only key forward that we really got. Jekka, unfortunately, went down during the week with a hamstring. Might have done it in the Box Hill game last week. He's out for five to six weeks. So a lot of pressure on Cozzy the opening month without Mitch Lewis. So, um, yeah, like I said, I really think we match up well against the Bombers. And um, I'm tipping us. I, I reckon we'll win by two or three goals. Yeah, there's clearly uh, plenty, plenty to be excited about. Um, as Daz joins us, Daz, have we got you now? Can you, have we got you, your mic working? Uh, oh, he's Ash. Here. This is, I, Ash, um, I don't know what uh, Ellen's doing tonight on Twitter. He must be an Essendon supporter because he keeps dropping me out, but I'm back until I'm not. Uh, Darren, Darren. Okay, Ash. We were just we were just talking about Brad. We started off. Brad said you two had a bit of a chat around the water cooler today, and and like Brad, you're feeling confident about Sunday. I'm not sure about Sunday, but it's what what I'm finding remarkable is, and I mentioned people, everyone else's views tonight, and as always with the welcome to everyone to take part in the conversation. Uh, is how many Essendon people and neutrals are telling me that they think Hawthorne will win Sunday, um, that they think Essendon haven't shown a lot in the pre-season. Hawthorne showed a little bit more. They look at uh, Essendon uh, with Stringer being out as potentially the match winner that can cause Hawthorne some havoc. Uh, I'm not sure whether this is the old Essendon trying to suck everybody in and then they'll come out and absolutely crunch Hawthorne in the opening quarter on Sunday and put, put it to bed early whether Bob has been totally foxing, even the messaging out of Essendon a bit, you know, slowly, slowly, we've got a lot of work to do. Who knows? It could be fun and games around one. It could be mind games. Don't really know. So I don't know. Uh... Well, uh, Brad confirming that you can't hear us anymore either. Yeah, he's quick, crack, yeah, he's doesn't seem to be a good connection for Ash tonight. So Maybe if you can hear us, Ash, maybe try coming back on as people of the boot as you did uh, did a couple of weeks ago successfully. We can see if that works. But I know that Daz uh, and yeah, Simon Morganism, Yeah, just Smorg's just sent a message to say that his app's crashed three times. I think a few other people are having problems as well. So I think it's... Twitter, I know uh, Instagram's been down as well uh, recently. So the social world is struggling at the moment. I think obviously on the eve of footy season. Yeah, maybe uh, maybe they just don't want to listen to discussion about uh, the Bombers and the Hawks. Daz, I can see a mute next to your speaker sign and that's usually a good sign. Are you, are you with us? I'm here. Can you hear me? Oh, we've got you. How how are you? Oh, I've been good. That that drops out the second that it's the space started. So I definitely think that maybe it's an Essendon agenda uh, or some kind of Elon Musk thing. But it's very strange, and I think Ash is having the same sort of issues. 
Yeah, Paddy's uh, Paddy's suggested that maybe Elon's not happy that we've moved to Wednesdays, uh, <laughs> as clearly a few a few people are. Ash, you're you're back with us. I can hear you in the background. Well, I'll try not to be a co-host. And uh, apologies, everybody, for the uh, glitches tonight. But I think that might not be. I think it might be circumstances got out of control anyway. But we'll keep going for as long as we can. But maybe if I'm not a co-host, that might uh, might help things along. Um, and if it keeps happening, we'll know what we'll do. Um, yeah, so I'm not quite sure what to expect on uh, Sunday. And he's gone. Well, that was nice. Uh, oh, I'm still here. Take... I'm still here, right? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, um, for fear of the fact that um, that Ash can hear me, I, I wouldn't say that you're more important. But it's great to have you here, Daz, because actually at the beginning when you dropped out, Ash gave you, you know, actually one of his more complimentary welcome backs after a busy couple of weeks. Yeah, that's that's awesome. And it's great to be back. It's great to be talking about footy again, not digital marketing. So very much looking forward to, to the weekend. And um, yeah, just 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 can't wait to, to have footy monopolise 95% of my brain again. Okay, well, Daz, you heard uh, Brad's pretty upbeat and confident about our chances on Sunday, and and on the other way, I think we'll get done. Ash wasn't sure what to think. Uh, With Mora still connecting and having gremlins of his own, that makes you the vital vote. What's going to happen on Sunday? Well, Sunday's just sort of crept up on me, I think, even though it's been a really long build-up to the season. I, I, I really... I'm pretty optimistic. I think Stringer going out, he always has a good game against us. And um, Essendon really are the ones under the pump. I think for us to go into that game with very little expectations around our season, with a lot of team, with a lot of pundits uh, picking us for the spoon, I think that'll that'll work in our favour. I think that a quote unquote miracle at Marvel game. It kind of had the reverse effect on us when it, where we were comfortably in front, got in our heads, I think, that narrative. And we lost the game um, from what was happening above the shoulders more than than the performance we were putting out because I thought we were all over the Bombers in that game um, for, for most of that game. So I really do think we've got a, our best chance of starting this, you know, of getting an early win on the board against the Bombers. And look, it's not catastrophic if we don't. Um, but I think, yeah, all the pressure's on them, and I, I really think that we should seize on that moment. For sure. Well, I think continuing on with the game on Sunday, Brad, I'm, I'm going to come to you and uh, start talking about um, the article you published last week, your first selection dissection for the year. Um, a couple of things have changed throughout the week. You mentioned... Uh, you mentioned the injury to Emerson Jecker, whether or not you had him starting. Um, obviously puts a lot of pressure on Cozzy and what we're going to do up forward. How are you seeing things are going to fall at the selection table tomorrow? Yeah, I didn't have Jecker starting a few weeks ago. I did think he would have maybe been a chance to play. Um, I'd had him as an emergency. Uh the other one's Jack Scrimshaw. Our good mate, uh, Paddy, was at training, I think it was over the weekend, and um, Scrim was um, in the rehab group, you know, doing a couple of sprints on the side and didn't look like he was moving too well. So I know he wasn't on the injury 
uh, report from Peter Burge during the week yesterday, which is surprising because I can't see him playing. He looked really proppy, hasn't had a good preseason. So I don't think Scrimshaw was playing. I had him in my team. I had Bramble as the sub. I think Bramble will play. Um, I don't have Connor Nash in the team at the moment, but I think Sam really rates him and will probably play him. We'll need a bigger body in the midfield. As I mentioned, Essendon's got solid midfielders, not necessarily quick, but Connor Nash is big and has pace. So who misses out is an interesting one. Um, I think my team that I had is pretty consistent with what most Hawthorne supporters have. I don't have uh, DGB in the side, unfortunately. I believe we can't play all of um, James Blank, Sam Frost and DGB in the back line, especially with Sicily there. Um, you know, CJ will be back. Uh, will Day will hopefully see players more as a midfielder, uh, more up the ground. Um, I've got, uh, obviously, Warple starting in the midfield with Newcomb um, and Josh Ward. Finn McGuinness will tag. I think he'll tag Zach Merritt. Um, I don't think Darcy Parrish, um, I don't think he'll tag Parrish. I think Merritt's probably their best midfielder. So I think Finn will run with Zach Merritt all game. If we can stop Merritt's quality, he's a really good user of the ball inside 50. Um, I think that'll go a long way to us winning. Uh, who gets Peter Wright? That's a big question. I think James Blank will get first crack. Um, Sam Frost will probably play on uh, uh, Wiedemann, the young kid. Oh, he's not young anymore, but uh, Melbourne ex-Demon, uh, who struggled to cement a spot in Melbourne's side. So I think he'll be a decent pickup for the Bombers, similar to Fergus Green. I think Fergus will be a better you know, pickup or kick more goals this year. Um, other than that, I don't think there'll be too many surprises. Uh, is going to debut, which is great. Um, Amon will play his first game for the club. Meek will play his first game for the club. They've only really got Draper in the ruck. I know Max Lynch last year in the first half before he got injured, kicked, I think, two goals in the first half and was actually on top of Draper. And when he went off with concussion, Draper really took over, especially in the last quarter where, as Daz mentioned, was a bit of a disaster. So... I think, um, yeah, that's sort of my read on things. Uh, Wingard will be back, which is going to be great. Missed a lot of last year. Um, but, yeah, Cozzy's the one. Hopefully, as he's kicking boots on, because he is going to have at least five shots at goal, you would think. So, hopefully, he can kick three or four. And like I said, I reckon we'll win by two or three goals. All right. Well, I'll come to you in a sec, Daz. But another question, Brad and, and Smogs said, you know, uh, and I'm totally with him. Uh, lower the expectations, then we can't be too disappointed. Lower it, lower the expectations. Um, I want to ask you, Brad, um, just one of the guys you mentioned was Jack Scrimshaw. Um, and Patrick managed to get out to training. He um, sent uh, that video of him jogging very gingerly, which gave everyone or clued everyone into the fact that he is injured. Missing from the injury report, and and we do seem to already have um, a bit more transparency with injuries this year. Missing from the injury report couldn't make the starting, the the A team in the intra-club left out through practice matches and the questions were actually being asked around whether or not he would even have been starting in round one before we we knew he was injured. Where do you think this leaves him? 
Brad? You've, you've got him as a walk-up start, right, in our starting 22? I do. I do. I, I'd be very surprised if he wasn't. Uh, he must be carrying an injury. Obviously, we saw from Patrick's exclusive footage, which was great by Patrick, so we thank him for that. Uh, we asked, asked Ed Sill last week on uh, the show, and he came out straight away and he laughed it off. He said, Jack Scrimshaw is absolutely best 22, might have even said, you know, best uh, 18 player. So I'm surprised he wasn't on the injury report. He obviously is injured because um, we've seen uh, the footage, so I'm not sure why the club are hiding that one because he, he's definitely hurt. So, yeah, um, in my opinion, I'd love to hear what everyone else says, but I'd be very surprised if anyone else... Yeah, if people are disagreed, like Scrimshaw has been a quality play for us the last couple of years. We even saw the back half of last year, he ended up moving forward, taking a mark, kicking goals. But he's a quality player, you know, he's attacking, got really good left foot. Um, and he's a good, yeah, uh, intercept, an important player for our back line. So I'd be very surprised. I don't think he, he's obviously, I'd be very surprised if he gets named and if he plays. But he'll be in the side by round two, if not the latest round three, in my opinion. Brad, they'll pick seven defenders. Who will they be? Uh, at the moment, I'm looking at the team I posted. So, Hardwick, Blank, Frost, uh, CJ, Sicily, um, Impey. So, that's the, that's, that's the six guarantees. Um, it's whether or not, you know, Will Day will probably, you know, start at half back. But I think, like I said before, he's going to play more up the ground. Scrimshaw was the one that I had on the bench as that seventh uh, defender in my team, but I don't think he's going to play. So they might play, as I said, Bramble's probably going to play. So do they play that extra halfback uh, runner on the open spaces of the MCG? I think run off halfback on the wider spaces of the MCG compared to Marvel is important. So if you've got the likes of um, CJ and Bramble off the half-back line, I think their pace is going to be important against uh, the Bombers. Uh, like I said, their forward line is very weak, other than Peter Wright. Hopefully we see uh, Tip and Woody play great comeback story, but he's going to take some time uh, to get back into it. Their other small forwards, uh, uh, Davey's going to make his uh, debut. Great story. Had a really good preseason for them. He's an exciting prospect, but his first game playing as you know small forward is going to be tough. Will uh, Snelling's another one, those type of players. So I really think our fast defenders in CJ and Bramble will be able to uh, expose the Bombers forwards. Okay. We, I mean, I've sort of, apologies again, I've been dialing in out of this conversation, so I don't know whether we're going to got round to tips. We might actually, if we have it, we'll do them properly towards the end of the podcast. Um, in terms of other news around the Hawks, it's sort of been a bit of a... Uh, a quiet week in terms of um, other stuff happening there. The interesting conversation, I think, took place uh, with Gil McLaughlin. We'll go off field for a little bit and then we'll go back to on the field. The interesting conversation took place with Gil McLaughlin and Damien Barrett, uh, an interview over the weekend. Uh, AFL boss is doing the media rounds as he does before the start of Every season, he uh, was asked a question, Brad. This is something you and I have sort of been uh, in conversations about. He asked a conversation of Gil McLaughlin about will there be sanctions for Hawthorne uh, on, the basis, on the basis of the, uh, the racism allegations and the inquiry that's taking place at the moment. And uh, Gil 
gave me one word answer that started with N and finished with O. Yeah. But, but Damo, <laughs> Damo won't let it go. Oh, absolutely. I think he seems to just, he's been on this for the last few weeks. I know, Ash, you're a listener of the Sounding Board pod, podcast that he does with uh, Hatchie. It's come up a few times on that. And for whatever reason, he's, he, he genuinely believes that we're going to cop draft sanctions, despite the fact Gill has come out and said, as you, you know, has categorically come out and said, no, not going to happen. So I don't know what info Damo's been given or, you know, he's probably just trying to get a few clicks. You know, we, know, we live in the clickbait world at the moment. So I think it's more or less that. Um, but yeah, as we've said, it will more, most likely be a large fine, probably with a bit of a suspended fine attached to it. But draft picks being taken off, I just can't see it happening. As you know, I saw Gil on 360 last night saying how we should have got, you know, the report um, findings. I think the first deadline was December time, maybe late November time. Then it was on the eve of the season. And listening to him last night, as we've discussed here, it's still months away. So, um, yeah, I'd be very surprised if we copped draft sanctions. Yeah, the... Yeah. I was just going to say, following on from that, I feel like after years of, at the very least, every second sliding doors from Damo being something negative about Alistair Clarkson when he was our coach, I feel like we now have a platform to be able to monitor this season, every space we're going to say, A, whether or not He's got something positive or negative to say about Hawthorne. And I feel like you've nailed that this is clearly going to be his theme. So how many of his 23 uh, sliding doors segments on Hawthorne are going to be around the racism report and the allegations? So watch this space. I think it'll be a little bit of fun to do throughout the year. Well, I thought we'd do have a bit of fun with the scoreboard. So... With Damo, two scores we'll keep. One is whether he's positive or negative towards Hawthorne. So right now we're zero one, and one, and then the second scoreboard will be whether he talks about on field or off field. Now I counted last week on sliding doors, and I say this with Damo's an old mate. He's a mate of mine, and he's actually, a, a, you know, he's he's a, he's a pretty good journalist, um, and he, he's done very well with the brief he's been given at the AFL. So he's got the runs on the board, the journalist. So I'm not saying this, but I think I can say, I say this, you know, as a as one senior journalist to another. Um, so the scoreboard so far for positively negative for Hawthorne is 0-1, based on last week's sliding doors being the first. And the second one, on-field or off-field. He seems to have a, a, a predilection for commenting about Hawthorne off-field. Last week's sliding doors, the rough count I gave, correct me if I'm wrong, 16 or 17 out of the 18, plus he does one about the AFL as well, but of the clubs, 16 or 17 out of 18 were to do with on-field matters, but with Hawthorne it was off-field. So that I mean I'm not going to keep scoring every club over the course of the year, but I think you can reasonably assume that Hawthorne will be lagging in that department. But the I can't I'm trying to find the article. I can't find it at the moment. But uh, the guts of what uh, Gil McLaughlin had to say was that there will be lear- that, that there's going to be learnings I think for everybody out of this, and that um, I think there's also some unintended consequences of. Hawthorne taking the action it did. And I think part of that is I think they will find it very hard to sanction, very difficult to sanction Hawthorne when A, they didn't sanction Collingwood and Adelaide for what would be fair, were fairly serious breaches 
in a similar space and B, um, accept your suggestion that um, learnings for the whole industry might be the outcome out of all this rather than acting for author. I can't see how possible way, and I don't want to be talk, I'm not sure why we're banging on about this at the end of the season, but it's come up so often, and I do know a lot of Hawthorne supporters are, uh, are getting quite aggrieved that uh, Damo, who's got so many platforms, constantly talking about it and harping about it. It's very diff- difficult to section Hawthorne if some of the aggrieved parties don't come forward and speak. So you can't penalise Hawthorne on hearsay, which is what it is, and... Um, they won't be penalising Hawthorne if they also don't signal down on, on the alleged perpetrators of these of these episodes. So, you know, they won't section Haw- if they sanction Hawthorne for whatever reason, then it's presumably they would be sanctioning the three parties involved, certainly two that are involved actively involved in the AFL now being Chris Fagan and Elsa Clarkson. Darren, do I have that right? In terms of Clarkson and Fagan? Yeah, they can't possibly sanction Hawthorne if they and not sanction the alleged perpetrators. Am I right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, but, you know, this is Hawthorne we're talking about here. And <laughs> <laughs> uh, But the, the, the thing is, and the point that you made before, Ash, about, you know, the, the alleged victims coming forward and saying things, why would they, why would they do that now? Um, you, just, you just see how everything's been dredged up against... Someone like Leon Egan, and I'm not. I'm not speculating on, you know, whether he did the right thing or the wrong thing or his past at all. But they've they they'll just dredge up every last bit on every person that speaks up and make them seem like um, completely, un, you know, incredible. Um, so I don't. I, if I were if I were those players or the, the alleged players, I, I wouldn't be saying anything because that's how this stuff works, unfortunately, and that's why people don't come forward. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I think it's going to be it's going to be some sort, in the end, it'll be some sort of confidential the, the, they're going to release a report but I think there'll be a fair bit of there'll be some redaction in, in it, there'll be some confidential uh, there'll be some con- confidential elements to it as well. Um, I, I, if there is a sanction of Hawthorne, it'll be a It'll be a slap on the wrist and fairly minor with a large degree of suspended uh, about it. And we should notice that Jamie Burnell, as has been uh, re- reported, has certainly joined Hawthorne now as uh, not the general manager of inclusion and diversity that they're looking to hire, but certainly as their, their day-to-day manager of Indigenous affairs and Indigenous development manager. So uh, his background is from, uh, he's a former AFL player. We talked about the Melbourne West Coast and has come from the AFL Players Association, which uh, tends to produce pretty good footy industry people. So that is being seen as a really good hire by the Hawks as they strive, as we've said, not just to be better in this area, but to actually, in the end of the day, be a competition leader in this space. It's a fairly lofty goal, but one that is worth achieving. Uh, Patrick, good evening. You've got a question or a comment for us? Firstly, I should joke that, uh, did you mention my name for something other than Dingley? But what I was going to say is, surely if Hawthorne gets sanctioned, they'd have to make every club do reviews because why would any other club do a review if they could like get sanctioned for it? Well, there is that, that point. If, if Hawthorne gets sanctioned, then every other club uh, will, you know, surely there are skeletons, other skeletons in other closets at other clubs. So I think that's another reason why the AFL probably won't uh, uh, do anything, uh, probably won't be sanctioned Hawthorne particularly heavily. 
Uh, but I think if Hawthorne was to be sanctioned heavily and it was felt unjust in the AFL, will be, be uh, the Hawthorne and the AFL might find themselves locked in court. As it is, Alistair Clarkson reportedly determined to clear his name and uh, anything other than complete absolution on his behalf uh, won't be enough for him. So this has got a lot... I'll, this is going to play out for a long, long way. Um, we talked a few times with the absolute fanciful approach of the AFL. I think they have wrapped up by Christmas. Even the start of the season, this will be lingering, I suspect, even to the end of the season. Certainly if Chris Fagan and um, Alistair Clarkson haven't been interviewed yet, which was the case as of last week. But I just don't, you think this is a, don't you think this is a sort of strategy to just drag it on as long as possible and take the heat out of it? And was there ever going to be any other outcome other than the, a drawn-out process with some slaps on the wrist at the end and some learnings and we all move on because the, the alternative is just upending, you know, three, three, four, five clubs. Like the, the, the alternative is just too much for everyone to, for, to, for the AFL to face. Yeah. Well, the survey, oh, sorry, the, uh, the report, the, the inquiry is supposed to be independent of the AFL as well. So if the, the AFL may have uh, given a, a bit of instruction to the, people drag it on, but it's supposed to be independent investigation. So uh, using outside counsel. So but as I've mentioned a couple of times in the spaces, I have, uh, you know, I've got friends who uh, in the legal profession, one is a, a judge, one is a, a KC. And they said that uh, a lot of people were running, who were approached to be involved in it, were running a million miles from it because they could see no, they could see no positive benefit in taking part in it. Uh, and I think that is, Proven to be the case. Anyway, I want to wrap that up here. It's the end of the season. We don't want to be bogged down and talk about that for too long, but uh, we will have some amusement over the course of the year with our running uh, commentary on Damo's sliding doors at this stage. As we said, it is 0-1 in favour of negativity and 0-1 in favour of off-field v on-field. So we will follow that. I think we see you volunteered to be scorekeeper for that. So uh, have pen and paper at the ready on Friday morning when the next sliding doors comes out. Um, now, we're sort of rambling a bit all over the place. I think we're distracted by our difficulties at the start, but there was a bit of disappointing news today out of Box Hill. Uh, we obviously have a great deal of affection and interest in Box Hill, and our Box Hill guru, Danny Prins, uh, sends his apologies tonight. Couldn't be with us, but uh, they've lost two players. I think they must have had a very, very difficult training session the other night because two players went down. One being uh, Ben DeBolfo. I don't know if that's related to the great former AFL writer for the Herald Sun, Tony DeBolfo. But also Ben Kavara, who's one of the better players at Box Hill, and one of those players who tends to get a game most weeks, irrespective of how many Hawthorne-listed players have dropped down. Uh, we see you're next in line as our Box Hill expert. Uh, that's disappointing news. Yeah, I mean, as you said, Kavara's... Uh brilliant footballer so in terms of um purely on field it's it's a monster loss but uh, i mean i don't think it matters whether it's whether it's box hill or it's your seniors or any other club you just hate seeing season long injuries uh before the season's even begun and i mean to get two from one session or in one week is just heartbreaking for Box Hill and um, obviously you, you soldier on but that always sort of lingers in the back of your mind about again you know no disrespect 
to to Bolfo, but Kavara, absolute gun, like to lose someone of his quality, um, like changes all of your planning leading into round one of a season. But uh, it happens to everyone, and I guess they've just got to pick up the pieces and and move on best they can. Yeah, Box Hill also appointed uh, co-captains, which is not the Hawthorne way, but it is the Box Hill way. Uh, Hugh Beasley, Hawthorne skipper, the Box Hill skipper last year, retains the captaincy. We'll share it with reigning Colt Austin Trophy winner Cal Porter, while hard-nosed defender, yes, and yes, I'm reading from the Box Hill website here, hard-nosed defender Stu Horner, the club's longest-serving active player, will fill, will fill the role of vice-captain. But I think expectations of Box Hill are pretty high this year. They'll have a good season. Certainly, a lot of what happens at Fraternal Box Hill depends on what happens at Hawthorne. But Hawthorne maintains a reasonably healthy list and there is, as we hope, strong competition for spots at Box Hill. Then they should fill a pretty strong team every week. Now, does someone want to say something more about sliding doors? No, I was just going to... Can we... (laughs) Can we move on from slides? Yeah, I was, no. just, I was just about to say, I think we're, we've passed that. We can move on. Right. Well, I mean, uh, one point on sliding doors, though, is if Damo mentions Clarko, then you, then you know, that, or doesn't mention Clarko, <laughs> then, then you know is a Hawthorne agenda. Uh, then you know that every time he mentions Clarko in the past, there was a Hawthorne agenda. So I think absolutely. that's something to add to the tally. Well, I just think, and I can say it now that you've brought sliding doors back in and contributed, Daz, I just think we that got us onto sanctions. And if there are any sanctions that should be given, it's to Damo for absolutely, totally just ruining what is a, a brilliant idea out of the 1998, I'm going to say, brilliant movie, Gwyneth Paltrow he doesn't actually understand the concept of sliding doors with what he writes in that article. Uh, and I think he should be sanctioned for that because he's doing the movie a wonderful injustice. Daz, you're the movie guru. You oh, I didn't know it. you were such a fan of that movie. Um, I'm learning so much about you um, <laughs> as we as we do this. Um, this is Anna Rao tonight, ladies and gentlemen. I'd like to apologise on behalf of all of us. Um, I want to talk about our 1983 series, uh, both stories that we have written and the podcast that we have produced in conjunction with the footy club. Two of them have been up since we uh, did the last space, the the Rodney Ede interview, uh, where he sort of went through the team um, and uh, sort of reflected on the key players in the team and the role they played in the team during that 1983 series. And then we had Terry Wallace, who uh, was on, and it is fair to say that Terry Wallace, I mean, not surprisingly, if you've observed him uh, as a top-notch media performer, uh, both uh, radio and TV over the journey, he had a memory like an elephant when it came to that 83 season. He remembered everything. He had a few notes that he dredged up, but he remembered winning streaks and winning margins and particular games and uh, it was fantastic to talk to him. He's done a few uh, bits of uh, media around 83. Interesting, I don't know who saw AFL 360 the other night. Brad, did you, I don't know if you saw it, they, they put Terry Wallace up as the guest to talk about the 83 uh, 
reunion that the Hawks had. Well, they must have spoken to him maybe for 45 seconds about Hawthorne and the 83 reunion and then spent five minutes getting his previews for the season. So I think I sold that one a bit short uh, on 360 the other night. No, they absolutely did. And you guys were really uh, lucky to get Plough on. I was uh, lucky enough to work with Plough for many years. And like Ash said, you know, he had all of his uh, notes, but he is as good a media performer in the AFL. He was lost. He retired from uh, media. It's probably been about three or four years now. But, yeah, I worked with him for many years and no one prepared better than Plough. And as you said, Ash, hearing him talk on uh, your podcast, absolutely uh, brilliant. And I think he was an underrated player. You obviously saw him more, Ash. He was before my time. But you often hear people talk about Plough and what a good player Ed he was. But I think people don't realise how good a player uh, Plough was. I think the Hawthorne players knew, but I think outside of the club, I don't think he got the respect he deserved. Is that a fair comment? Well, I think there was a bit of disappointment he left the club in the manner he did. And it's still mysterious to this day as to why he actually left. I've heard him give a couple of different versions of events um, over time. But I think he sort of saw that his role in the midfield was probably going to be curtailed as it went forward. And I think there was a bit of falling out with Alan Jeans towards the end as well. Um, but no, he was a wonderful player. He he was the first player. He came good in 81, which was Jeans. He fell out with Jeans because he, he was one of these players who... He played in the 1978 Premiership team as an 18-year-old. He was the fourth wheel in that midfield of following division of Scott Tuck and Matthews. He stepped into the midfield from day one and played every game that year. Fell, fell away for a couple of years, but was really good in 81 um, under Jeans. And then 82 and 83, he was an outstanding player as well. He, um, as he explained on the podcast, he was injured towards the end of 82. Hawthorne were beaten twice by Carlton in the finals. That he had some problems, I think, with an adductor or something like that. He, so he he didn't play. He lost fitness towards the end. So he would have been a very handy player to counter that Carlton mosquito fleet that gave Hawthorne so many problems. But then in '83, he stepped up again, and he's one you know that rare footballer that uh, wins the best and fairest in a Premiership year. It's just about the best you know individual on he can get at a footy club is to be the best and fairest player in a Premiership year. Well, he did it in '83. A super year. He was just a ball magnet. He averaged thirty point eight disposals that year, which I think was about four more, ga- four more game than the next player, whoever that was. Uh, just a, a ball magnet, extract the ball from any situation, and then feed it out. He's a bit, um, I'm trying to work out who he'd be like today, he'd be a bit of Tom Mitchell about him in that getting the ball, that, that hard ball out of the centre and distributing it was uh, his strong suit. He had a great footy brain, wasn't overly quick, really couldn't kick it very far, but it was just a a super, super player, and they just left him in the guts. They didn't, he didn't need to play anywhere else because they had all these creative ball movers uh, from sort of you know, Russell Green, Gary Ayres, Colin Robertson, John Kennedy, Jr., Peter Schwab, who, you know, who, they were the sort of running flakers and defenders who got the ball moving, but then there was Wallace playing in the middle. But uh, his podcast, I commend that one to you, which comes through the Hawthorne, golden, the old Golden Years feed on the Hawthorne, through the Hawthorne app, not from us. But, we see you were there for... If those two were good, we might as well tell you... It was in The Age, mentioned it... Uh, it was in, mentioned in The Age today, and it's going to drop online in the next day or two through your podcast provider. How good was the one we did on the week... The one we recorded on Monday? I'll let you just bask in, oh. in how, how much fun it was. Well, we got to have a chat with Dipper, and 
Ash, I mean, over the last few years, we've probably done 50 or 60 pods with guests from the club. And by guests, we're talking absolute champions, legends of the club on and off field. And this one, this one, I've not laughed as much during a podcast as the recording with Dipper. Actually, the art form to this wasn't asking the question. It was when to mute your mic because you're laughing too much versus just having it on enough so people can share in the fact that the three of you are giggling along to a story. But you had a couple of rippers. My favourite was the one that was in the age about the DNA in the spa. Not going to spoil it too much more. Um, but definitely, if you want something a little bit lighter and a bit more fun to listen to, um, this will be, which we're obviously expecting to drop uh, over the next couple of days. In fact, I would encourage everybody not to... Um, I would encourage everybody to... Uh, everyone drops in, listen to it on the train on the way to the footy on Sunday because actually that, it's best consumed, don't you think, just in the hour or so, the hour and a half or so before the Essendon game. Because it, it, he talks, his brief was simple, talk about the rivalry. And he just went for half an hour, 35 minutes, talking about the Essendon rivalry, the origins, what makes it so special, some very funny stories, and uh, a little uh, a little thing he did at the end, which was absolutely spectacular. So that's what I love, Ash. What I love, I mean, I mentioned it in the pod in the past, like we've spoken to Dermy and we've spoken to Campbell Brown, who are as anti-Essendon as you can get. And, you know, you just mentioned Eden Wallace and we've spoken to them before for golden years and they're a bit more realistic about um, the rivalry itself. And, yeah, very much so. And with Dipper, we were back in the Dermy areas and it was it was magnificent. <laughs> so uh, definitely everyone should, should give it a listen to get fired up before the Essendon game on Sunday. Yeah, I can. It says it, it comes through the uh, the uh, Hawthorne if you through the Hawthorne app um, and the Hawthorne feed through Apple Music and various podcast providers. So we strongly recommend it. And I said, uh, listen to it when it drops, and listen to it again on Sunday to get you in the mood for Sunday. Um, now tonight, and one reason why we don't have the greatest numbers tonight, partly because I think we're doing the Wednesday instead of the Thursday. It's still a bit too far removed from. Round one, as I said at the start, we're not sure whether this is the last of the pre-season pods or the first of the in-season uh, spaces. Um, the Hawthorne Summit's on tonight as well, so uh, that might be maybe a couple of our regulars are uh, been invited to that event, which I'm not sure whether it's a physical event or a virtual event. If anybody has any mail out of what was discussed at the, uh, the summit tonight or the participation group or whatever, thing they had a more formal corporate name for us, uh, jump on and give us an update as what they're. What the hell are talking about? Um, this is a pretty important uh, part of Andrew Gower's, uh, you know, uh, election platform. And as it turned out, we had the the, the votes uh, that he uh, he won co- quite comfortably. Um, Michael, good evening. Got a question? Uh, no, j- just a comment on Dipper. Uh, look, he was my all-time favourite Hawthorne player, but I think people forget he started off on the halfback flank, getting the ball. He could get the ball, and all he could do was just kick. Torps 50 metres down the ground in the forward line. And like for all his toughness and bravery and that, the skill level he developed at the end of his career, he was a highly skillful player. He could pass the ball 
And, you know, it all gets lost, I think, in his persona of being a bit of a clown and good for luck. He, he was a, a great and highly skilled player, starting off with a bloke who could just get the ball and bloody roosted it 40 metres from the half-back half flank sort of thing. Michael, that's a really good observation. My, you know, and the thing about Dipper was he was just a hard-nosed, no-feels defender. People think about Dipper, he played one game in 75, I think when he was 16 years old. Didn't play a game in 76 or 77. Admittedly, you know, very good teams at Hawthorne. Played well under uh, in 78. Arguably, had there been Norseman's medal in 78, quite easily could have won it. Played a fantastic game then. But then he was Dipper with a short back and sides. Um, then struggled again through 79, 80, 81, even 82. Finally, 83, before, which is like his ninth year at the footy club. He actually became a really reliable senior player. Got suspended for five weeks uh, for decking Alan Stoneham, as he tells us on the podcast. And then by 84, was a, the skill start, I reckon the skills started coming in 84. And I reckon it was as he grew his hair and grew the, the starker is when he actually became the, the dipper that, Makes the highlight reels. I mean, before then he was a, you know, he was a bit of a sniper, but but in the way footy was played in those days. But you're right, as his as his footy smarts grew and as his fitness grew, and he also dropped a few pounds. I think those mid eighties just I just memories him running up and down the wings at Waverley at Princess Park. He was a super super player. He won the Brownlow in eighty six, you know, tie with Greg Williams. But by then he was a really great footballer. It wasn't he, the the thuggishness had largely gone. By then he was just a a hard fit running machine. So yeah, so it's uh, his evolution been fantastic, and it was it was a it was a wonderful chat with him, and I highly commend it to everybody. So yeah, so the sun so the summit's on tonight. I don't know if anyone's uh, listening to it or been part of it. If you're here and you think, let us know. Hopefully, the club will uh, will drop uh, some information about what happened there, or we'll get a communication from the club. Uh, in the next few days. Um, oh, Ash, just, I, I, yes. I think the point that you made there about Dipper kind of growing into that, you know, having that change of look and him growing into that and that actually impacting his performance is a really interesting point. Um, and, I, and I wonder if other... other I mean, I, I think to, you know, Chance Bateman and, and the shaving off of the dreadlocks and... His his career kind of you know going going down from there like it, it definitely plays in plays into it on a psychological level maybe. The Samson qualities, Darren. Yeah, that's that's what it could be. You know, he was also one of the first in the mid eighties. He was also one of the first celebrity footballers. He um, he had the restaurant. He had Dipper's uh, Bistro, I think, it was in Carlton. Um, that he ran in between playing footy. He was used to, he did that for four and 20 pies with Ron Barassi um, as well. He was a regular tourist to, he was a regular Victorian player. He, he, you know, he was a regular tourist to Ireland when the International Rules Series started to take off in the mid 80s. So he was a bit, large, really big, larger than life figure dipper. Yeah. And, you know, he'll, Don't he'll forget Timmy's and Forges. Timmy's and Forges. That's and right. Don't, and, don't forget the greatest boundary rider of all time by nine, well, I think. Yeah, his post-football career as a boundary rider where he, he mangled the English language better than many have on live national TV. But a, a truly larger than life thing. One thing about Dipper's interesting here, a couple of things he did. He was uh, the, when the, when the International Cup 
started, he was the uh, he became the coach of the uh, what was called the peace team, the Israeli Palestinian team, and he uh, I saw firsthand some of the work he did to sort of bring two disparate groups of people together to be part of a team playing a, a foreign code of football, and he did some amazing work at that. And he was also uh, a part of the international rules squads as well. And the AFL's tapped him on the shoulder in the very early days of the Giants. And he was been, he's been a mentor for the very first, a bit like Dermot as well, the first five years of the Giants. He was very heavily involved in working with their younger players. I think he actually went up, he fly to Sydney for one or two days a week, every week for the first few years out of existence, just to work, you know, be around to sort of work on the morale and the spirits and the minds of the younger players who were getting, you know, in those early days, were getting bashed around a fair bit by teams such as Hawthorne. Um, and I think the people at Giants give him an enormous amount of credit for his work early on. And when they uh, started to come good in the sort of 2015, 2016 um, season, he was as proud as anything. He was as proud of the Giants as he was of anything he did uh, in his time at Hawthorne. Um, I think the point that I'm trying to make in a roundabout way is for John Newcomb to stay away from the Clippers for the rest of his career. <laughs> That's right. Well, John's got his look going and uh, we uh, we think it's wonderful. So uh, we're looking forward to see what he does on the weekend. Um, on the Substack, we've been running a series of articles uh, to preview the season. We've broken the season up into uh, different bits and pieces. So sort of six different ways of approaching the season um, and I, we want people to read them but we're going to just start uh, just the last few minutes um, we're going to borrow from one thing we've done which is the uh, which has yet to be published which is the Peter Crimmins medal so I'm just going to ask you guys uh, to give us your tips as you did for the Peter Crimmins medal coming in the year Danny's not with us he went Dylan Moore number one John Newcomb number two and James Sisley number three Brad do you remember how you voted um, I think I win Sicily. I think Sicily. I had Sicily winning it. I think I had uh, Jai number two and Dylan Moore third. Of uh, swap those um, two around. Uh, swap those two around. Uh, gives a, a line about Sicily. Why he expect he'll go back to back? Uh, we saw how good he was last year, coming off an ACL. I think him being named captain will only make him go to at another level, and I think he's going to have bit of a bee in his bonnet after missing all Australian last year so um, yeah I think he's going to be even better uh, this season so if that's the case um, yeah I think he's a lock to win it I just think um, I think Jai's going to have a really strong year but I think there will be a few games where he's going to get heavily tagged he's going to cop a lot of attention so yeah I think Sicily will be a runaway winner this year so Morrow went Sicily won Newcomb two and had Carlton Amon as his third pick. Weezy, which way did you go? Uh, same trio as Brad uh, with Sicily winning it. Uh, in my mind, as long as he plays enough games and, and doesn't p- 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 get injured at any point, he'd be an absolute lock. Uh, totally agree. And listening to you know a couple of his spots over the last few weeks with your mob on SEN. Um, he's churning out the party line. He is sounding very mature and calm. And I think he's going to carry that into the season. I think he's going to carry that into his captaincy. And yeah, uh, I think uh, given that the ball will be in our back line a fair bit throughout the year as well, I think he's going to dominate. 
Darren, what are you? Um, what are your, you're not publishing this article, so what, what's your one? Your, your trifecta for the Peter Coons medal? Oh, I, I reckon it's a close one between Jai and, and Sis. Um, but you know, I, I think Jai just just taking on that number one man in midfield role. Um, he'll go to from strength to strength, and I think it's 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 his medal to lose. I'm going to have a very 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 brave tip for podium finish for Josh Ward. Uh, I think he's shown a lot of great preseason form, and yeah, look, if he finishes in the top five, I think that would be incredible. But I I, I just have a sneaky feeling that this is going to be a massive year for him. Well, it's uh, it's going to be a complicated race. There's some good players in contention, so I think it's uh, poor tends to be a pretty good sign for the footy club. So we look ahead to Sunday. It's going to be uh, a great day. MCC is forecasting a crowd of around 60,000 or so to get in there. Um, actually, no, a bit less than that. Low 50s, they think. But the weather forecast is looking pretty reasonable. They might get... Uh, some of the Hawthorne players are talking about this game was talking about crowds of 75 to 80,000, which I don't think they'll quite get. But I think the club would be well satisfied with attendance in the low to mid-50s. I think, given Hawthorne's draw for the season, it might be the highest-drawing home game for crowd for the season. They've got Carlton and Collingwood later in the year, but that'll be in the depths of winter. And, and if Hawthorne's not very competitive by then, they probably will struggle to get past 50,000. So this might be it in terms of a big... You know, know we've got Geelong Easter Monday, but it's a Geelong home game this year. So in terms of big Hawthorne home game for the season, this one might be it. Uh, The lap of honour by the 83 Premiership team will take place at halftime, as as I believe, as I'm led to believe. So um, that will be worth hanging around for. I was at the ground yesterday. It looks magnificent, Brad. Don't buy any of the uh, Tom Brown nonsense that they're going to struggle to get up. It looks an absolute treat. Oh, the ground looks perfect conditions. I know Tom had a few nights or days going on about it after the Ed Sheeran concerts. But, yeah, you'd back the MCG uh, groundsman every day of the week. It's going to look perfect tomorrow night. It'll hold up. The weather's really good, so it'll dry out a bit. Um, Yeah, like you said, Ash, I reckon it'd be disappointing if there wasn't 60,000 at the MCG on Sunday. So hopefully there will be. Hopefully everyone comes out. I know we'll we'll all be there, so um, yeah. Look, I reckon I reckon there'll be sixty five at least sixty five thousand. Yeah, I think. Uh, well, uh, I'm not quite that optimistic, but um, it depends. Yeah, a lot of Hawthorne supporters will get there. Um, it really depends on how many Essendon supporters turn up. I think. And surely, yeah. surely the issue there is that Jake Stringer's not playing right, and I know at least. Uh, 30,000 Essendon supporters who think he's the second coming of Dusty and, <laughs> and with him not there, I'm just, I'm just not sure they're going to they're gonna turn up. Well, that's right. There's not a lot of, uh, not a lot of uh, marquee attractions running around for the Bombs anymore. So I, uh, they'll, be very excited about, uh, they'll be very excited, probably within reason, if Tipper uh, makes a comeback after a year off. He's a very excited player. And Alan Davey looked like a really lively small forward and small forwards have often... Lively small forwards have often given the Hawks grief. Go back to those days of the Carlton Mosquito fleet in the 80s. So there is a bit to uh, worry about there. Oh, look, last question. I'll just give you guys a question without notice. We might have discussed this before, but uh, I'm going to give you again. So on, on the weekend, there will be probably four Hawks from last year running around. They being Tom Mitchell, Jago Mira, 
uh, Jack Gunston and Liam Shields. Question with that note, especially before we go, who do you think comes Sunday night? You'll be thinking, God, maybe we could have had them in the side. Weezy? Uh, I still contend that it's Gunston who's going to be the biggest loss and, and probably the, have the biggest effect on... Um, you know, helping elevate Brisbane to being a premiership chance. But Sunday night, I actually could get shot for saying this. I've got a feeling it's going to be Jager. I believe he's going to get up um, from that issue he had at training, but he's been cleared to play round one. I've got a feeling that not playing in the midfield, but rotating through with their setup, I actually think he's going to be magnificent for them. And, um, and I think there'll be a few people coming at me for my last few years of observations. Starting with us. Guys? Yeah, Gunston for me. And I agree with Weesey. I always rated Jager and I think he's going to thrive there uh, in Frio in a, in a new role with, uh, with a lot of responsibility as well in terms of leadership. So couldn't, couldn't really care less about the other two to be honest and Liam Shields good luck to him but I'd, I'd be surprised if he plays more than a handful of games this year Brad yeah Gunston for sure is going to be massive for the Lions this year he'll kick 40 plus goals if he plays out the year uh, I agree with what the boys said I reckon Jager is a perfect get for the Dockers they've got an incredibly strong uh, midfield who's only going to complement their midfield Uh Tom as well, I think, is going to be a really good pickup for Collingwood. Not as good as Jager, but, um, yeah, Gunston's going to be the one. He's going to be sorely missed. I know Fergus will play and do a really good job, but you don't replace someone like a Jack Gunston. So, big, big loss for us. Speaking of Fergus, Greg, Kane Corn said on Sports Day this evening on SEN that he believes that um, Fergus Green has the potential to be, for Hawthorne, as valuable and important a player not as good a player, but as important a valuable player for Hawthorne as a mature age recruit as Tom Stewart has been for Geelong. That's got to be the first nice thing Kane Collins has ever said about Hawthorne, isn't it? Uh, and no, it's pure love, speculation. <laughs> uh, true. Actually, Ash, you know, not to give it away, we've got another... Um, another. Oh, well, actually, we just published the good to great um, players for the season and I've got Fergus Green as one of my three. So um, I'm thinking along those lines as well. I, I think um, putting him anywhere near Tom Stewart is just asking for trouble because he is a brilliant footballer. Obviously, what is he, two or three-time All-Australian? Um, three or four. Should, should have been last year. James usually had him covered. But, uh... oh, I reckon there was a spot for both of them, but that's another story. Um, but yeah, I, I think he's going to have a huge impact and that there's no reason given our forward line issues why he shouldn't be playing every single game this season uh, and hopefully replacing Gunston, kicking 30 goals off a, off a half forward flank. Well, we wait to see. I, my, my answer is I think the player Hawthorne will even come Sunday night will miss will be Jack Gunston. If Brisbane get over Port Adelaide, the big first up game for them. Those are the sort of games on the road that Brisbane don't always win. But uh, if they get over Port Adelaide, make a good start to the season. Gunston kicks a couple or two or three. Tends to play well at Adelaide Oval as well, Jack Gunston. Um, that's the one we might be a bit sad about on Sunday night. But we'll be in good spirits if the Hawks get over the Bombers. It is uh, one of the winnable games 
one of a few Hawthorne have early. Um, that has been the spaces. We will our post game review pods uh, will be, obviously be returning um, to your uh, podcast feed. We'll be return, recording the first one sometime Sunday evening after the game, and that will be turned around pretty quickly. So for your Monday, either late Sunday night or for your Monday morning commute, you'll be able to hear our player ratings for every player who takes the field for the Hawks against the Bombers on Sunday. And look out also for our famous, highly curated match review articles as well that will also drop sometime after the game. Brad's selection dissection will be appearing every week. There will be columns, there will be features. We've got a couple of big-name former Hawks who'll be writing for us and a couple of current people involved with the Hawks who hopefully will be doing some podcasts with us. So we've got loads of plans for great content. Weesey, do you want to give them the housekeeping and how to hit us up and everything? I think you've nailed it. Everyone here obviously knows about um, Twitter. Uh, Follow us on Facebook if you've got it and don't already. And in our bio on Twitter, you got a direct link to the Substack or just click on one of the articles posted through Twitter. Make sure you sign up because then you will get it all straight to your inbox every day. Yep, that's right. So five dollars a month, fifty dollars for the season for really good Hawthorne content. As I said, we're gonna wrap it up there. Apologies for the disjointed beginning. It was out of our hands. It looks like Twitter being uh, at its worst uh, let us down. I think once I moved off Wi-Fi to five G, it obviously sort itself out. So. Uh, that was a smart play to do um, we will talk to you again on Wednesday night of next week uh, on Twitter Spaces, the podcast will be out Sunday night, Monday morning uh, thanks for the support of Hawks Insiders let's hope that on Sunday evening that they will be, we will be a happy team at Hawthorne after beating the most uh, visceral enemy we have being the sort of football club have a great day of footy. It's finally back here. Uh, no longer we're just speculating. We can actually live it and enjoy it and talk about it. The, uh, the games themselves are the most important things. Thanks for being part of the Spaces this week, and we look forward to talking to you again this time next week. Thanks, and good night. Thanks so much for listening to Hawks Insiders. Head to our Substack for more quality analysis, special features, news, interviews, and so much more.